welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Hi everyone, how are you going? Good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next Sunday morning. I reckon it's going to be good for us. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Good job today, worship team. And uh, let's be praying this week as we um, head into this adjustment, this change of next Sunday morning, of changing as we change things up a bit. Let's be praying for, into that and uh, believing God that uh, it's going to be a good thing for us, for this church. Um, we're going to see the kingdom keep going forward in our community and we're going to see good things happen and uh, lives transformed and touched and church grow and and be built so yeah looking forward to it and uh thank you for those i know it's a stretch for some of us some of you and um i'm i do sunday mornings most it's by the picton or the rule anyway so i'm kind of been doing sunday mornings but it's i know it's an adjustment it's a it's not you know not everyone's favorite option but thank you for you know coming along for the ride and seeing what happens so um we are in Lent, and I, I don't know about you, I know it's still like six weeks, six weeks or something until Easter, but I do love Lent, I do love the lead up to Easter, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sharing today uh, over Lent, over the, in the coming weeks, we're going to be sharing different aspects of Jesus, the Son. And so we have our new cars out, and these are at the cafe, and there's some at the table at the back. Uh, this is our Bible reading cards, and so I'm going to be sharing from, uh, from a couple of scriptures today that were in this week's Bible reading. This also tells us what, um, what, where we're at in the series. So it's talking about Jesus' son. It's, we're going to be looking at him as, as teacher and as healer and as Messiah and as servant and as king. So they're the things we're going to be looking at uh, in the coming weeks over Lent. But I just reckon, you know, whenever you start to look at Jesus and we think about him as the Son of God. It's, oh, it's all amazing. It's all good. You know, we sang it today um, as we worshipped him. Whenever we talk about Jesus, whenever we, whenever we sing about Jesus, whenever we glorify him, whenever we lift up his name, um, it's, it's awesome. It's a really great thing. And uh, just yesterday afternoon, or last night actually, it was after I'd been at the women's morning. Hey, and I wanted to shout out to John and Shelley and say thank you for uh, having us at your home yesterday. It was so lovely, so wonderful. I appreciate, I know, John, you weren't there, but I, I appreciate the work that went into, you know, all, Shelley told us that you, you helped, I know, there was window cleaning and there was lawn mowing and all sorts of bits happening and we would have been happy to be there even if you hadn't have done any of that, but we're really thankful um, that you guys were off, showed your, you know, offered hospitality and you had us there and it was, it was so beautiful. Uh, but when I got home yesterday afternoon or yesterday, evening, Rowan and I were uh, looking at our WhatsApp of our, uh, from our, uh, about Australian, I think it's the Australian Area Director's WhatsApp or something, I don't know, who knows, there's like a million WhatsApp that you can be on. Anyway, a WhatsApp that we were on, and there was a video that had been uploaded from um, Lars and Megan Halverson, who are our Australian uh, Directors of C3, and Lars was sharing on, and, and so there's a video that's to be played at all the Area Director 
uh, upcoming gatherings. And uh, so he just wanted, did a little video of him and Megan just you know, sharing. And one of the things he mentioned, and he has, I heard him speak about this before, was that he wants his heart, his passion for C3 churches in Australia is that everyone would be a life-giving church. That's just his, he just wants to keep it simple. You know, I want every C3 church, it can look different, it can be different, it can be, you know, we can have uh, diversity, it can, it can be vast. It's, we're not going to all look the same, we're not going to be a cookie-cutter church, but what I want is each C3 church to be life-giving. And I really love that and it reminded me, just made me think of uh, what we're going to talk about today with Jesus being, uh, and him looking at him as teacher, looking at him as the son of God who came uh, into the earth. And, uh, you know, it tells us in John 1, uh, 1 we're not going to go there, but it talks about, it says that um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, um, well, we're talking about the word in our Bible reading plan. You know, something else. I want to do a little show and tell today of show you my Bible. I got this Bible last year. It is a rather big Bible, but you know, I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. I think Shrek said that and uh, something like that. And um, no, it's a big Bible and that's why I don't bring it to church every week because it's just too heavy and my arms aren't that strong and, uh, and it's just rather heavy. But I, just, I wanted to encourage us around our Bible reading and around the Word, the Word of God. It is, it is alive, it is active, it is transformational. And um, the word, Jesus, he became flesh and he dwelt among us. And, uh, and this word is transformational. And uh, so maybe if your Bible reading's a bit dry and not that, you know, like I like my old Bible, but I will, and I will admit it took me a little while to start, you know, to sort of transition over to reading a different Bible. I'm like, well, things aren't in the same place, you know, as where I was used to them. But it's been good for me. Uh, just in these last few weeks, I just started reading this, like using this one in the new year. It's been good, kind of looking at it differently and going, oh, you know, a different version to what I was reading before, some different, um, some different study, uh, studies available in it, some different, um, you know, some different points, some different references from different people. And I just, I think that's good for us. And I'm just saying that to say, you know, if a Bible isn't, 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 doesn't seem life-filled to you, and your Christian life isn't life-filled, maybe, you know, maybe just ask God what you can do. Maybe ask the Holy Spirit who wants to come and work and be active and partner with us what, what you could do, you know. Maybe just try something. Try a different Bible. Maybe get a big Bible. Maybe get a little Bible. Maybe try a different Bible. Do something and uh, see if you might, you know, can kind of shake up, um, you know, that area of, of your life because I reckon that will be good for us. So uh, yeah, we're looking at Jesus as teacher today. And, uh, you know, Jesus was referred to in, the, in his lifetime, it says about 90 times, it, it tells us in the Bible about there's about 90 references to him being referred to. And about 60 of those he was called teacher or rabbi. And, uh, and Nicodemus in, in John 3, 2, uh, Nicodemus, who was a, a Jewish religious leader, uh, he said, he, he confirmed this, you know, there's lots of different confirmations that Jesus was teacher, but he, he confirmed Jesus being a teacher by him saying, I will put my glasses on for this bit, by saying, uh, after dark one evening, uh, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. 
Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So Nicodemus, Jewish man, was saying, we can see that you're a teacher. We can see that God has sent you, that God has sent you as flesh to dwell among us, to bring his word to life. And that miraculous signs are the evidence that God is with you. Jesus uh, spoke about himself. He confirmed his, himself in John 13, 13, that he was a teacher. Uh, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. He was teacher and he was Lord. He confirmed that. After, we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount uh, in just a moment, but after the Sermon on the Mount, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of... Uh, Luke Matthew, uh, sorry, Luke Matthew, no, not no, just Matthew. Matthew, uh, looking, at, looking at Matthew 5, 6 and 7, all those chapters is just incredible um, message of Jesus, which is so many of the, the references we get of Jesus, of the Lord's, the, the Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes and lots of incredible teaching parables of Jesus all are contained within those three chapters. And at the, at the end of that, and it says um, in... Matthew 7, 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So this is the teaching that took place on the mountainside when it was thousands of people. And people were amazed, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. <laughs> quite unlike the, the teaching that they'd been used to. They were amazed at his authority. So he, was, he brought truth and he spoke with authority. Now, I know we have some teachers in the room, so I'm going to be really nice when I talk about teachers. And, uh, and you no, know, teachers are great teachers. But whatever it, you might think of when you think of a teacher, some things that came up when I looked it up were content provider, tool giver, instruction, person who gives instruction, uh, rule keeper, etc., etc. There's lots of different things we might think of when we think of what a teacher is. And the instruction, and, and those things are, Jesus did those things. He bought content, he, he gave us tools, he was instructional. But the instructions of Jesus are like no other because the instructions of Jesus set us free. They set humanity free. They set humanity free in the day, on the day that he said them, and they haven't stopped setting humanity free every day since over these 2,000 years. And we're going to look at John 6, uh, 68. If, if you've got that one to put up on the screen, guys, that would be good. And this is saying that uh, this is at a time where disciples were beginning to desert Jesus. It's, uh, before we get to 68, just before that, it says, you know, some of the disciples, they were saying, Jesus, your teaching is really hard. We're struggling with it. How can we accept it? And uh, there was says they were grumbling about this and there was talk about his teaching being offensive to some of them. And, uh, and so Jesus says, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Don't you? I love those, I love those two things. I love those references. They're, they are spirit and they are life. Uh, Lars was talking about us being life, a life-giving church. Let's be people who are, carry the life of Christ in us and who are life-giving life to others. And, uh, and then he says in verse uh, 68, 
oh, that's right, sorry, so in 66 he says, you know, so the disciples are a bit annoyed, they're a bit cranky, and some of them are leaving. And it says, from that moment, many turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away too? In verse 68, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Yeah, that really, that really touches my heart for Simon to say, Lord, to whom would we go? And that's kind of how I feel. You know, Simon Peter was probably looking at this situation and seeing some of the people that were deserting Jesus, some of the people who'd been around, probably they, some might have been some of his friends, people he associated with. He, he could see this difficult situation of some weren't staying, some were finding it too much, the teaching. His teaching wasn't easy. It wasn't what they were used to. But there was something in Simon Peter that said, where will I go? Where would I go? You have the words of eternal life. I cling to you. I hold fast to you because you have the words of eternal life. And I want us to remember that today, to think on that today. He has the words of eternal life. Let's hold fast to him. Let's cling to him. Let's think, where else would I go? What else do we have but Jesus? So what is it about him? What is it about him that uh, made people... Uh, amazed by his teaching. Well, they certainly thought he was authentic and he was, uh, in, in, in his authenticity, you know, he, had, he was a person who, was, uh, who had integrity. He was truthful. He was honest. He was a man of compassion and he was a man of respect. And, you know, I, I see Jesus as a revolutionary. He came to this earth and he came at a time when a change was needed and he brought a change, not in the way that they expected, but he came and he said, I'm, I'm bringing you a new way. I'm going to show you something different. And, you know, he had uh, in, in these, um, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 4, 5 and 6, there's all uh, these references to what the law had been. There's many, many times where it says that... Uh, over and over again, if you look at it, we're not going to actually go through it all today because um, it's like a lot of reading. But um, I'm just going to go to Matthew 5. It's, it's references like, you've heard that it was said, dot, dot, dot. You know, you've heard that it said, our said to our ancestors, ancestors do not murder, but I say... So this is what he does constantly. He says, you've heard that it was said. And this is the way he speaks. This is his way of, this is his phrasing, that he, the phrases that he uses in, his, in this Sermon on the Mount. He's a, this is one of, the, one of the styles that he uses. He'll say, you've heard that it was said this, but I say this. So he was able to stand there with authority and say, you know, all that you've heard before, this is what you might have heard, but I'm here to tell you something different. And the, you know, the law, and I'm here to, I'm here to challenge the heart. I'm here, um, you know, the law before, it had been about specific instruction for particular circumstances. But Jesus was, he wasn't saying the law was bad. He says, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And he's like, I'm going I'm to bring a twist on things that you couldn't have, you couldn't have picked it in a million years. You couldn't have, you couldn't have picked the way Jesus was going to come, how humbly he was going to come to as a man on the earth and be so transformational, be, be the revolutionary. 
that he was. And, you know, it wasn't an overly scholarly way or using technical language. He used styles like uh, he made proclamations. He brought instruction. A lot of Jesus' life was through storytelling. A lot of his teaching was through storytelling. We see that in the parables. Uh, we see him using metaphor. The teachers are like this. He used metaphors, proverbs, puns, similes. Did I do well? I'm not even sure that I know what a simile is. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell me later. Actually, I should have asked someone beforehand. Anyway, I do know what a metaphor is, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he used, he used things around him. We talked about this a little bit yesterday at the Women's Day that just... You know, Jesus used these references he'd, 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 in conversation as you, as you read about his interactions with people or even he's standing there giving this teaching message. He, saw, he talked about things, that the birds of the air, he talked about a little tiny mustard seed and he said, you know, a little seed like this, this is what faith, he starts to talk about faith being like the size of a mustard seed and he talks about the lilies of the field and he brings these reference points in and uh, he brings in, you know, metaphors for different things. He tells stories. And these stories are really clever because they, they bring us into the story. They bring the people, the listeners, into the story. And we can see ourselves in the story, even though it might uh, be speaking to a different context. We can see ourselves in that. He taught by the roadside, on mountains, in homes. He taught in all sorts of places and all sorts of uh, ways. And he was actually really clever because he, had, he was vague enough in, uh, in some of his storytelling and some of his teaching not to be able to pin, be pinned down by the religious leaders who were listening um, you know, and, and to not overtly offend them so that they could grab him and arrest him for saying the wrong thing because that's what they would have done, which they ultimately did do. So he was vague enough, but he was... Uh, obvious enough so that people were like, oh, yeah, we know what you're saying. Yeah, we get it. You know, we get it, but you're not blatantly saying, uh, being so offensive that it's, you know, that, that you're, uh, that you're going to end up upsetting people to the degree that could happen. You know, he challenged worldview. He challenged the worldview of the time. He keeps challenging worldviews. Oh, there we go. Bit of a storm coming. Uh, what he did, how he lived, as well as what he said, made him a teacher. As he lived among the people, he taught them just, you know, through, through day in, day out context, like we were saying. For example, you know, we might, well, there, well, there might be some people's teaching that we know of through their texts and things who, uh, you know, we know of their, their we know, well, we might know of them as a, as a, a philosopher or an orator or someone who's, someone who's, uh, who's, who's given great contribution. But Jesus was known by his actions as well as his words. His, the stories of what he did and how he did it, things that he did were revolutionary. He, he washed the disciples' feet in a time that that was not a done thing, that at a time when uh, that was not what... Uh, the rabbi would, uh, would, would do with his, with his team, with his servants. You know, he stopped and he interacted with people like a Roman centurion when that wasn't a popular thing to do, with a Samaritan woman at the well, and that wasn't popular, with a eunuch from a racial minority, and that wasn't popular. He chose to spend time with children when they went, oh, no, Jesus, you don't have to do that. Get them away from you. You had important things to do. And he said, no, no, 
No, no. No, no. Let them come. How much of a story is that? How much uh, teaching is there in that act? Not just he didn't give up and stand up and give a spiel about it, but he just, he just, that act was, that act was in front of them. That action was in front of them and, and it spoke volumes. How he healed untouchables, the blind and unclean people and lepers. And uh, so he was, I, I don't know what you think, whether you like it when I use this term that he was a revolutionary, what you think about uh, the idea of a revolutionary. I, I kind of, I, I think it's, it's kind of cool to think about him as, uh, as a revolutionary. And um, I probably got a bit inspired, I probably got, got, got thinking this way because of some stuff that I've been reading and some stuff that I've been watching about history and about some of the revolutions and some uh, looking at the French Revolution and, you know, has anyone read, um, does anyone know the story? You might have read the story, you might have watched the movie or seen the play, Les Mis. So who knows Les Mis story? Aussies like to say Les Miserables. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's French, it's like Les Miserables or something. I think the L is, anyway, you know what I'm saying. So, so I, I kind of feel like when I look at that story and, and that time in history, which was, you know, um, I think it was post the, just post the French Revolution, about 1789, written by Victor Hugo. But, but you know, there's been lots of revolutions through history. There's, um, there's been Russian Revolution and there's been, there's been other revolutions, um, what's, what happened in the States and, and lots of other... We're not going to go into all the places that have had revolutions, but... Just watching uh, that and thinking about that story and how moving it is. And uh, because, you know, revolutions usually happen. They take place through history when there's an uprising. They take place in history when there are people uh, that are... There, there's, uh, when there's a defiance against how people are being treated, there's a, a defiance rises up in people about um, how... Uh, you know how how the how the world is in a social in, you know from a social perspective, and so you know les misérables that word does anyone I don't know if anyone knows what it means does anyone know what that word means what those words mean I mean it sort of makes sense that it's something to do with me being miserable doesn't it 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 means the unhappy ones the victims the poor ones. And, uh, you know, that, that revolution, the French Revolution, happened at a, at a time, and revolutions normally happen in times in history when there is suffering. And someone rises up, and a people, a group, rise up, and they say, enough. And, um, and so I read this little, uh, this little piece of a, a book that I just want to read to you just about that and then we're going to be finished. Paul, you can come on up in a moment if you like. So it's saying Jesus um, was sort of con con has kind of been relegated sometimes to being a nice guy or a cool teacher status, but he was much edgier than that. He was a total revolutionary, right, says Dave Burchett in When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. Um, he granted status to women where none existed in culture. His views were strange and upsetting to those in power. In that period of history, women were viewed as property. Divorce was a no-fault procedure for the husband only. And infanticide of children was common in the Roman pagan cultures. In addition, what made him a revolutionary was his utter rejection of doing things the world's way with an eye-for-eye eye justice, 
punish thy enemy focus. He rejected religiosity based on rules and championed instead the idea that everyone is redeemable. Yes. He didn't hang out in the royal places, but with the riffraff, the ragamuffins, the les miserables, the victims, the poor ones, the unhappy ones. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, but I came uh, for those who need healing. I came for those who are sick. I came for those who want an answer. I came for those who are hungry. I came to meet with you where you're at. And he was unlike anyone in his mercy and compassion. What a radical thing for him to say, be compassionate as your father is compassionate. And he was the bearer of his father's heart. He was the bearer of the principles of the kingdom. He was bringing those to earth and um, causing uh, revolution in, in, in his time, which has continued on. And I'd love us to think of that and think how, how can we, being salt and light, being life-giving Christians, how can we keep challenging the status quo in our, in, our, in our world, in our mindsets, in the things that are around us and bringing Christ and, and, and the radical Jesus, the radical ways of Jesus into our world, into, you know, where you live, where I live. And, you know, ultimately Jesus was crucified for these kind of things, for saying, you know, don't just love your neighbours but love your... Some of, he was offensive he offended people, he upset people, he upset the religious leaders, but he stood for the weak and the vulnerable. He stood for us, he stood for you and I, and he came for everyone. But he stood up and he said, uh, I'm here to bear, the, bear the, uh, my father's image, I'm here to bear the kingdom on this earth, and I'm going to defy dead religion. I'm going to defy that, it's not helping you, it's not helping anyone, and I'm going to be about spirit and life. And ultimately... He was sent to the cross for that. And he knew that that was going to happen. He knew he was going to the cross. And he knew his time was short. And he was pretty radical. And so I love it when we look at Jesus, the son, and we see how radical he was in, in so many ways. And we'll be looking at that more up to Easter. But, you know, God the Father, he loved the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him won't die but will have eternal life. What a gift he gave us. What a gift he bought us. Why don't we stand and pray together as we finish and we're going to have communion in just a moment. Um, I'm going to pray and then Phil's going to come and stand at the front. love you to come out and get your communion. Go back to your seat and take it. And uh, then we're going to sing together before we close. So Jesus, we thank you that you are life-giving. We thank you that you came to this earth and uh, you, you dwelt among us. You came from heaven to earth. And uh, I pray today that you would help us as we think about you being the, uh, the one who came and turned uh, the world upside down with your teaching. The one who came and with, uh, you know, with the Sermon on the Mount, with the scriptures of, uh, with all of your, your life, Jesus, but with thinking about those things of, of where you said to turn the other cheek and where you said to go the second mile and where you said, this is what they've said, this is what has been said, but this is what I say. And Lord, I pray that we would be people like that, that wouldn't just default to what, you know, the going idea is, but we'd be people in our culture, in our time, 
that would lean into you and say, well, how can I bear the Father's heart in this situation? How can I show the compassion of God? How can I show the justice of God? How can I bring what God would have me bring? And how can I have courage in that to do that? Because, Lord, we know that we have all we need in you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came and you meet with us daily. And that as we walk with you and we are led by you, you are more than enough for us. So I pray that you would just give us ease in that today. And I pray that you would give us uh, courage to step out into our night and our tomorrow and our week, this week, knowing, Jesus, that, um, that we have all we need in you and that you are, uh, we can be life, uh, as, you, as you're our life transformer, we can be life bringers to others. So keep moving in our lives and helping us uh, to be people who are life-giving to those around us. And as we, uh, as we come around this sacred time of um, the cup and the bread and this communion this afternoon, Lord, we thank you. We thank you again. Why don't you just thank him quietly, church? We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the word made flesh. And you went to the cross and you came. You died on that cross so that we might have life. And we're so grateful. And we think of your body that was broken and we think of your blood that was shed. And we thank you. And so as we take and eat and drink in just a moment, I pray that we would be sustained by that daily bread and we would be, and that we breathe uh, your life into us afresh as we go out to a new week. Amen. Thanks, Phil. Just come up whenever you're ready. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church. You